Since 1991, ProTaper has led the way in premium control components and prides themselves on providing an exciting, innovative, and complete product line to fulfill the needs of professional racers and weekend riders alike. Through revolutionary ideas like the oversized 1 1 8 inch handlebar and the micro handlebar kit, the only control system purpose-built for youth riders, ProTaper continues to push the limits and transform how we experience riding our motorcycles. Visit ProTaper.com for more. Everyone, welcome to the Kickstart Podcast presented by ProTaper. It is the Monday after the Arlington Supercross, which was full of lots of excitement and drama. Uh, Don Maeda here in the Swap Moto Live headquarters. I'm joined today by Talon LaFontaine, who's a longtime friend of our staff's uh, longtime Transworld test rider. He left uh, the test riding game to be a professional off-road racer and he won three titles. Yeah, and you're back retired, so you're back in the test riding fold with us, and uh, you've you've got a knack for race analysis and a, and a YouTube <laughs> channel. So I thought I'd bring you in. So Talon is sitting in for Chase, as Chase and Pat Foster are in uh, Gatorback Cycle Park, Florida, testing the Triumphs today, and of course remotely we have Alex Ray and Mike Antonovich, and. Uh, Anton, dude, that was one of the races that unfolded, and I was like, dude, I wish I was there with Michael. It was so good. So much shit happened, huh? I can't wait to rewatch it again. And, like, I know there's this big growing undercurrent of, like, you know, we maybe need to shorten the races to save the tracks, but, dude, you need every 20 minutes of motos to make this stuff happen, like, because it's good all the way to the finish right now. From from the start of the night until it was over, it was amazing. Uh, jets crashed that pretty much decided everything, uh, allowing Cooper to close that big gap happened right at me and Garth's feet. Like we watched him crash right on the tough block. Yeah. I, got, uh, I saw your photos. In the no, that, was the, that was in the, uh, yeah, you got, you saw those, but in the morning you saw him land on the one Cowie tough block. Yeah. That started a whole yard sale that took down Dean and Ken too. Oh wow. He didn't, yeah. He didn't ride that one out. So yeah, I was right hmm. there to see like a couple of them this weekend. Um, but yeah, just like an all-around crazy race because you need everything. The track broke down so much. Uh, guys were just going for it. It was it was good. They were worn all the way down to the concrete. And the way that the dirt shaped up in Arlington this weekend, it wasn't as slick as it usually gets. Uh, there was a lot of moisture into it, so there was a lot of traction. And like the lines in the corners, like you can see eight lines, guys cutting down so much. We're in the East Coast now, and it's about to get good. Yeah. Down. Uh, the 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 track wearing down to the asphalt do guys keep taking those ruts when it's like that or do they start looking for something different hey ray what do you think or are they all like it just sort of it just sort of depends on like you know if the line's faster or not you know and it has like a smooth you know transition doesn't have a hook or anything like that they're gonna they're gonna take the line they're gonna doesn't matter what the you know if the line has a little bit of concrete in it if it's still the fastest line they're gonna Hmm. the line the the corner before the whoops where guys doubled in and then later on the top guys were tripling in where you picked in that corner was going to decide what path of the whoops you were going to get um because to the far right side you could kind of have a smoother entry in but that's where it was worn down to the concrete the most because guys were getting on the throttle hardest there to get the pop to hit the three out Mm -hmm. and so after the race was over um Ricky Gilmore and Rich from Star were out there just walking it and kicking around the ruts. And, like, yeah, they showed it was down to the concrete. 
towards the outside of the corner, like higher up the berm, it wasn't that bad. But as we keep going, you know, further and further east, like, it's unbelievable to see how tight guys can cut down. Like, you know, we know Cooper is so good at it. Malcolm is amazing at it. Like, the way that Malcolm was able to pivot off of some corners this weekend and drive momentum out, like, it's a completely different riding style than what we've been seeing on these West Coast races, and I think that's going to make a big change going forward. Mm. Did you guys see that line, Eli, before the whoops, how tight he was going, making up a ton of time right there? Mm-hmm. It seemed like even when he passed, I think, Plessinger, Plessinger took that line and almost got him back. It was so much faster, that tight, really, really tight, and it was shallow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, he was the only guy taking that, but it was clearly faster. Yeah. Dude, I, the, the main thing I took away from Saturday's race was Tomac's back. Like, something clicked in his head. Yeah. I, on television, it looked like Eli from last year or the year before. Like, in person, was it that apparent? Like, because, you know, you can't see shit on the floor, but. Oh, no, you could see it. You could definitely tell. Like, when uh, to shoot the start, because it was the same style start as Detroit, uh, they didn't want any first-turn carnage for the photographers. So I shot it up from the front row of the safety hole in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pretty much saw him have that little mistake when he jumped long into the turn before the whoops and crashed. And I was like, oh, dude, it's kind of done. Like, this sucks. That could have been the 17 points that he's not going to make up. Like, I wonder how this goes. But he looked so good in that heat race, those whips that he was throwing behind AP over that mm-hmm. triple. Like, that was a, the most apparent that he was on it that day. But then to see him slice through the pack the way he did, yeah, dude, Eli's back. Like, he's good. He's gonna dude, have it was like, like on the ball. Like, he closed in, like, four seconds like that. You know, it was like, sick. so easy. It was really, it was, for me, it was very enjoyable to watch. And like, like what Anton just said, I, I know exactly what you meant. Like, the way Eli was throwing his bike around in the air, <clears throat> pushing through his jumps. Like, when you see that stuff, you you know he's comfortable. And, like, that's old Eli. He mentioned in the press conference the flow repeatedly. And, like, I said in that news break that I put up yeah. last week, and Eli I was looking, only says... Um, you know, I was just looking at the stats here before, like, the... Uh, you know, oh, go ahead, Anton. No, you're good, Avery. Um, okay, the, uh, no, I was, just, I was just looking at the, uh, the, the, the lap times, you know, before we hopped on here. And, you know, I put out a little tweet. It, it's just... I was just saying, like, going to Eli, it's from lap 14... I think 22 he ran 45 second lap times I mean no one was really in the was in the 45s that late in the race for I mean from running 45s at lap 14 on a track that was that broke down that hammered you know like you guys were saying like down to the concrete and he was still pushing and that was through traffic that's that says a lot and that says a lot you know coming into Daytona where he freaking wins every year so Mm -hmm. At the so, like midpoint of the race, I think it was 12 minutes left. He was 17 seconds down, or right around that midpoint, and then he ended only two seconds down off the lead. Obviously, Jet goes down, but still. Yeah. So Amazing. Uh, what what I was kind of saying a second ago, uh, last week I put that you know midweek or that news breakout that just kind of shows where we're at in the season and who the eight guys are and and what they're doing. And like I said, Eli doesn't say much. He only ever mentions three things. Uh, getting clean air off the start, feeling comfortable, and, like, finding the flow. And he mentioned that repeatedly in the press conference <clears throat> and on the podium Saturday night after that ride. Like, yeah, just the flow, the flow. If he can, That's what he's always trying to harness is that if he can keep doing that now that he's comfortable doing it, 
I think like even the track too, we know how hard Eli rides. That track being softer, not slicking off the way that they expected, not, but not being like Detroit where they were. I think everybody went into Detroit expecting it to be hard pack, and it wasn't. And so that was a big problem. This track was, I think, more what everybody was looking for. Soft, but still had a solid base to it. And he was able to just hammer. And, like, Eli was able to feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if he, like A-Ray said, if he's able to do it at Daytona again and get on a roll, it's going to close the points up quick. Yeah. He was sick on the podium. He was, like, tired of being called the old man. Mm-hmm. I watched that, well, I watched that like, three times. It was so good, Yeah, that, that speech. That's the most... It's the happiest I've ever seen him be for not winning, right? But, like, for such an awesome comeback yeah. to the field, man. Yeah, I mean, he's – I mean, how many points down is he? he I mean, he's not too far off. He's 13. Points <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, you know, with with the races that are coming up, like I said, Daytona, I'm not sure how the dirt's going to be in Birmingham. But, I mean, we know Indianapolis is soft. He's usually good there. Seattle, you know, it's Seattle. So, I mean, more sandier base, just like we, we've seen uh, at Arlington this weekend and then and then St. Louis. So, like, these next few races, I feel like, you know, with Eli really catching his drive, feeling comfortable on the bike, you know, like the way the dirt's going to be, you know, races, yeah. I mean, I see him up there in the his way up, you know, and, and do like they say every year, Daytona, you know, that's it starts, I guess, right? Like, you know, that's where, like, everyone sort of, you know, slots their way in, start to see, like, okay, like, you know, this guy's in for the champion, for the championship, and I guess season starts right there. That's where you get, like, your main competitors in this long season. So, yeah, I'm excited. It's a freaking awesome season, dude, to yeah. start. What do we think? Do we and think – on the uh... broadcast, they said that he was – on the broadcast, they said that Eli was – like the, uh, as far back as 11th but whenever he crashed he got back up in 16th so he was way back yeah i thought it was funny that <laughs> just ironic but every one of the main guys who crashed freeze was right there <laughs> in the mix yeah. and then when they showed the replay of eli going down freeze was on the inside i had nothing to do with eli crashing but yeah. ricky on the broadcast was like oh no <laughs> and then you know he like crashed, but it was kind of funny. I, so Freezy and his, uh, how was your weekend? He's all, yeah, you know, I might get shit for it, but I wasn't doing anything wrong, <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I don't know, like he was slowing up for, uh, for the lappers, yeah, and Jet just went to the inside, I think. Yeah, I think that was just kind of like a bad move on Jet, not a big deal, but kind of like a desperate. I hope this works, and then it didn't. Yeah. Because Jet kept blitzing the whoops the whole race, right? When they were jacked up? Pretty much. So if he found the, the preferred line and was able to get the drive on him, yeah. yeah. On the Vince note, and like, it's to the Eli note, dude, like, it's racing. If you watch enough racing, you see it's going to happen. Like, you just got to let it play out. Everything that's always going to play out happens. But like, Vince is the factor that can get a great start, and he can make a race really, really interesting. And that's what he did. They didn't show it as much in the main event from what I've noticed so far. And, like, this isn't a disrespect. We know how fast Vince is. But if you're unable to get around Vince and he is a tenth off, five tenths off, seven tenths off, whatever it is, a lap, and that allows the top three guys to break away and it condenses the rest of the pack, that's what happened on Saturday night. That's no disrespect against Vince. Mm -hmm. Put in his best ride of the season and was ripping and was ripping all day. 
But Vince is just that factor that everybody's always got to work around. Like, he's always going to be there. You know he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Moral of the story, the racing is more exciting when Vince is on the track. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, he, he is a good element to it. He, yeah. Like, even to some of the other guys that made main events this weekend, guys that we would never really expect because dudes like Chisholm weren't in it, um, you know, it makes it exciting. That's why they got to have so many races and see how it plays out because not everybody's going to be in it every single weekend. You know, Barsha was in an LCQ this weekend. Mm-hmm. Could very easily happen to somebody else soon enough. Dylan was eight in points and pretty close to this thing going in, scored zero points and is way, way off the back of, in, of it now. Like mm-hmm. anything can happen in the next yeah. few weeks. Hey, I think we need to give a shout out to uh, the rest of the Moto Concepts team because Carson Mumford and, and Mitchell Oldenburg. Yeah. That was Carson's first 450 Supercross, and he made the main straight out of the heat, right? Yeah, that's but sick. How cool was it when, <clears throat> obviously it's because the track got faster in qualifying, but there was a little while when Mitchell was fastest qualifier overall, and Carson was third. Yeah. You know? I think they qualified like ninth and ninth 11th. Ninth and 11th, or I think, yeah. yeah. But but still, I mean, that's that had to be a thrill for Carson to be third overall for a little while, right? And then... Uh, but they both came in. They both made it. They yeah, scored points. Uh, Carson's How Was Your Weekend was awesome. He's like, dude, those guys don't play. Yeah. You I know? think but, it was cool how he mentioned, like, how how quick they get going, how much faster it is right away. And he was just talking about how aggressive they are with their passes. Yeah. Compared to the, the whole 250 time. class. Yeah. And then the, the schedule, the way it is, um, it's a huge variance in track conditions that a 450 guy feels, right? Because they start the heats, and if you qualify right out of the heats, the track's bitching, and then you're racing the roughest track of the night. Mm-hmm. Probably a good thing uh, for Carson's sake that the track, the 450s start the heats now. Yeah. With it being a little smoother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the Carson and Mitchell yeah, note. Like, how is that going at the races, Anton? Like, how's sort of like the feedback with everything going, 450 going first in practice? Um... As far as all of that goes, like, I don't think that practice is really a big deal. Uh, it seems just like, like, practice is practice. Like, it's fun to watch and everything, but I don't think that it's as big of a variance as the night show is. Because even Cooper mentioned in the press conference and other guys have said, it's a long break between a 450 heat race and a 450 main event. And, mm-hmm. like, although that's really good for the TV view, like, in theory, good for the TV viewer because you hook them in quick. It's a lot of downtime in the middle of the night where you don't see the best guys. You know what I mean? There's no mention of the guys that a lot of people came to see or they know. And then when they go out, the track is way, way different. Um, And I think the guys that are the best adaptable are making the most of it. They don't seem psyched on it, but uh, they're doing what they got to do. Anton, what was the – so Cooper Webb is the winningest rider in that stadium? Mm Mm-hmm. And is that what he was counting at the, after the finish yeah. line on his fingers? That's so sick. That was pretty tight. Um, yeah. Yeah, go back to the Carson and Mitchell note, though, on qualifying. That session, so they reprepped the track for the last qualifier. And to that point of, like, what is the track doing, especially with that order reversed, Mitchell and Carson got put in 450C group. A couple other guys did, too. Guys that have been racing the Arena Cross series, like Ryan Brees and uh, Mason Kerr. Just some dudes that have, like quick enough to make it interesting mm-hmm. and like especially with Brees and the mcr boys factored in it changed the top 40 so much because the track was hammered in time qualifying session one that there were a lot of guys for a moment on the cusp of not making the night show that should have been in the night show <laughs> so then when they did get into 450 a group when the track was worn in and the fast lines were there 
there had to be some pressure on some guys like, yo, I cannot bone the session out. Like, I can't have two bad laps and not put in a heater because I'm 36th right now because 10 guys that I don't usually race are here this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I even think I've seen Shane McGrath pretty far down, like, yeah. 42 and 43. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, because, like, I mean, they're like, uh, you know, they like to take their time. They're a bit older, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's practice, whatever, wherever finish, wherever I finish, you know. And then now you have, like, some of these guys that are showing up to the races. The 450 class is no joke now. Like, even with the fast privateers, the 450 class is, like, stacked. Like, I'm super glad that I'm just sitting. <laughs> little Wageman? At all. Yeah, little Wageman drove the van out, old. made it interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, like him, yeah. Brees, uh, you know, both of the Moto Concepts guys. Um, there, there's quite a few quite a few guys. Like, even master pool. Up, you know, from the West Coast that are just, you know, master pool. On their way, yeah, on their way east, I guess. So, it's cool. Yikes. This weekend will be interesting, too, because a lot of those guys will be racing on Friday night at the Daytona Arena Cross and then winding up again Saturday night for the Speedway. Yep. Did uh, did Breeze make the main? Yeah. Yep. He got docked two spots, so this is going to be like a big talking point going forward. A-Ray, you're going to be able to speak about this, and I'm sure, Talon, you've done the same thing. Uh, when he went over the gate, for his siding lap, he like dumped the clutch to kind of clear out the rut on the other side of the gate. And that's pretty common practice. Like it's been happening for quite some time, but this year they're really cracking down on it. Mm. Uh, They don't want you to do that because they consider that grooming in front of the gate. And uh, I've even noticed some mechanics watching other riders because they know like if this guy does it and then they'll get the AMA official and kind of like, Yo, you need to watch him. He did this, and it's resulted in some warnings and now the first penalty. So it cost him two spots in his overall results. That's wow. kind of yeah. a crazy rule. It's a weird rule. Like, dude, come on. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. They like, the little tips and tricks like that. Like, like, the guys walking all the way up to Talladega. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Mini yeah, my that was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, little tips like that, like, that's where the starting grade the things that everybody knows how to pack a gate in or this or how to pick a rut there it that's really gonna hone it into like everybody's pretty even you can't have one little tip or trick to like make your rut better on the other side of the gate that you can't touch so uh, that's another thing to make it more interesting every time sure damn it must have been good to see him though because he's been gone for so long because he got hurt last year mm-hmm. brace yeah Brees. I always, I always trip on Brees because he's number two hundred and got Pat Foster at two hundred. So how was Brees' start? How much did that help him? Yeah, I'll have to look. I'll rewatch the race tonight. <laughs> let you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, dude. I mean, he he did he did what he always does in the main event. He <laughs> got a great start. He was up there like, I want to say he was top ten and was like around twelfth for a lot of the main event. Ended up like sixteenth. So I mean, yeah. I mean, he's still. I mean, with the two point dock, he was 18. So, do they uh, do they tell yeah. him before the gate dropped? He's busted. I don't know. I don't know about that. I'll have to. I'll have to ask. But um, like even on that note, though, that whole arena cross thing for the whole day was like an interesting element because there were so many guys that we don't usually see, and it filled the whole gate out because we went to Detroit a few weeks ago, and I want to say it was only like 45, 50 something guys, and now it was like 60 62, plus in 63, the 450 yeah. class. And that's even with Christian and Adam being out off the list. Mm-hmm. And some other guys, too, that are, are that just haven't lined up. Um, yeah. I feel like yeah, that I mean, that uh, 
like how do you judge how somebody clears a rut out after the start though like i guess if what you said like he double clutches it or whatever but what if someone's just pointing a finger and like oh he was just too aggressive on his practice start yeah and like to to the ama credit of like how some things are if you're a rider setting on the starting line and there's a pretty clear obstacle in your rut like there's a big rock like something obscenely out of hand that shouldn't be there and you point it out to john starling he'll move it like typically he will move it depending on what it is now if it's like something that's not gonna make something better whatever he's not gonna kick your rut in for you but if there's like an s shape like if it's got a hook coming out of it that's what they're probably trying Mm. to keep you from uh altering but they'll move a rock for you if there's a big ass uh like dirt clot or boulder in there they'll move it out yeah man um blessinger Again, you could hear his applause on the television during opening ceremonies. Uh, did you go to his uh, bar thing on uh, Friday night? No, I didn't get to. I got to talk to him about it earlier. And then if you watch the news break, we had a little interview just talking about how many people have been showing up in, like, DIY cowboy hats and, mm-hmm. like, little kids with mustaches and flannels and stuff like that. Like, the cowboy hype is real for AP. Um and then, yeah, he had a big turnout at that thing. I hope he does it in St. Louis because we got a PBR bar here too. You know that, right? <laughs> Dude, I bet uh, they, on the TV they were probably saying something about him being on the mechanical bull. <laughs> I bet that was nerve-wracking. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the Anton, you sent me some pictures. Like Eli got really close to uh, Plessinger when he passed him, huh? Yeah, like nothing – I wouldn't say like out of hand, uh, but just like a good battle. Like I'll rewatch that heat race a couple more times. I watched it back this morning and like, I'll watch it again when I watch the race later on tonight. Cause it was good. It was one of those where I thought AP was getting ready to leave him. Like he like had a good first few laps, but just with how the season has gone, I was like, all right, is AP about to have another heat race win because he's been so solid this year or like what, what's going to go down. And then Eli just caught the flow and then reeled him in. And then me and Casey Davis, like, you know, Don, you're, nephew-in-law and then uh like one of my best friends we're watching eli and ap together and after the race was over we're like did you see how hard he whipped it did you hear how hard he was revving it it was apparent from that point like yeah he's on it and ap did a great job to fend it off but when eli's on it like that's a challenge you're gonna have to face if you want to be a championship contender that's what makes eli one of the guys you got to go through that was an impressive heat because i think they had kenny in it too and when the track's fast and smooth like that usually kenny's the guy Mm -hmm. and yeah, that was cool. They were railing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. So uh, you got to talk to the Lawrence brothers after the race. Obviously, uh, Hunter's happy, right, because he had a good showing. Uh, Jet didn't seem too overly upset that he lost that race. Yeah, I mean, I think he knew that that one was just <clears throat> on him uh, because he said he jumped and the bike hooked right. And he landed right on the Yamaha tough block and then uh, – with the Vince thing, he said that, you know, most of the time the lappers go a different way. And this time that they were, the Vince was just right there. And like Vince was far enough ahead. He said in his, like we had mentioned in his, how was your weekend that he got over out of the racing line that he thought nobody had been taking. And he didn't realize that jet was going to, or yeah, jet was going to go for a pass attempt on the inside there. And that's what unfolded. So like he didn't seem bummed by it, but just one of those learning situations of, uh, you can't have a crash to put yourself vulnerable to Cooper late in a race like that because that's when he thrives. Yeah. Was uh, any word, was uh, Lars over having words with Alessi or anything afterwards? No, it seemed all good. Uh, I, I even was wondering that. I was like, oh, this is probably not the best thing. But 
Vince, I mean, to Vince's credit, when, when we sat down and did his, you know, press release quote and the How Was Your Weekend thing, Tony and Mike Genova were sitting there and, like, Vince said it. He's like, yo, I did not want to do that. I never want to cause harm to another Honda rider like that. He knows that that's not something you want to do. He wasn't out there trying to be a roadblock. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just crazy how it, it was Kenny that ran into him also, Yeah, right? yeah, Kenny and then Mookie hit Kenny. Oh, man, poor Vince. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what else in the 450 class? Uh, Malcolm uh, Jacob had a had a great weekend. I feel like you know yep. with, with fast qualifier. Sexton was sixth. Yeah, pretty quiet. Seventh, but I mean, he, like, like I feel like he's right there. Like I mean, he, he's sort of in that Dylan Ferrandez group, right? Like you have you know the top guys that you know would say are going for the championship or who are running up front. You know, Dave, um, Aaron, who. Or you know, and, and Jet, like, and Eli, he's like right behind that group, and he, I mean, like even this week, he capitalized on some of the guys that weren't having a good night, like Jason or Kenny. You know what I mean? So I feel like I mean, he's he's right there. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about. Good. I mean, you know, as go on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't hear anything about uh, Anderson. Like, was there something going on, or was it just a off night? Because he was kind of quiet the whole night. Uh, he got caught up in some early race like carnage with some guys, and so that just kind of faded him back. But I mean, he had great pace in that heat race, like between him and Jet. That was a good battle, and then when Malcolm got in it and made it interesting, and mm-hmm. that was a good one. But yeah, Jason looked pretty pretty good all day. He didn't seem like bummed, you know. I just think that he had an early race incident and he had to climb back from that uh, because he was a guy that made a lot of passes going forward and knew he had to make some passes to yeah. to stay in it. Yeah, I guess that's what makes Eli's ride so good. It's like Jason, uh, Ken, and Malcolm were all back, and look how far Eli came back. Yeah. But, hey, uh, <clears throat> you made mention of that, but that heat race with uh, Malcolm, Kenny, and Jet. Wait, no, Malcolm, Jason, and Jet? Malcolm, Jason, and Jet, yeah. Yeah. Dude, Malcolm was on fire. And, like, I was like, okay, here's Mookie. Like, he's he's found his flow and here everything, and then obviously the main – I think he crashed in the main, right? But yeah, with I was Kenny. I was fired up. I was like, dude, check him out. He's like found found his old speed, found his old aggression. But dude, how about when Jet like passed both of them in one turn? That was amazing. That was sick. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. I, there was a race uh, a few years ago, um, and it reminded me of that it was like Reed and Stu and uh, RV or something like that, and it was the same kind of situation. Dude, just full slingshot. Mode, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, when I rewatched the heat races back last night, I was thinking the same thing. You know, we give Jet so much credit for how efficient he is and how much momentum he carries through a turn, how smoothly. Dude, Malcolm carries so much energy, which is a completely different thing because Malcolm is so much bigger, you know, just as like overall mass and how fast he and how like high revving the bike is into the corner. To see him pivot in those turns the way he did, he seemed like he was cutting down tighter than anybody, even from press day on Friday and just getting the drive out. So then to have that chance in the heat race to watch three completely different riding styles from Jason's super loose, you know, do whatever happens flow to Jet, who's like precision, and then Malcolm, who's just momentum, that thing was awesome. And then, yeah, like you said, to see Jet knife through both of them and get like kind of some gamesmanship after it looked like he kind of messed it up when he hit Jason a little harder than maybe he expected in that corner and then had to double the triple and then let Malcolm by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, were there any uh, tempers flaring from that incident? 
No, that was all good. I think, not that I saw at least, and it even just kind of seemed like, uh, like we've been saying, guys were taking tighter lines and maybe Jet didn't expect him to do it, but it was a pretty good slam. Yeah. Uh, 450 class, is there anything else we should talk about? I mean, Coop's wins a statement. Like, yeah. He had to do it, dude. Yeah. Like, he had to get that thing done, and that just catapulted him to second. He's three points down now, and this is the scenario yeah, he mean, wanted the whole time, dude. Back, like, we've talked about this even back to the SMX races last year. Jet's been his target, the guy that he knows I got to go after right now, and he's been, like, chipping away and chipping away, and he's right in the position that he wants to be in. Yeah. So yeah. he's the other um, – he's the only other guy who has two wins. Jet mm-hmm. and Cooper have two wins each. And I think uh, this we, series is we got to thank Jet for having mistakes because it's a lot more interesting because he's had these crashes to let these other guys in. If he wouldn't, he could easily have a 20-point lead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, there's a lot more variables in Supercross than there is outdoors. You know, I think outdoors, it, it came a little easier to him just because, you know, track's wider, you know, all that stuff. Supercross, things are tighter. Uh, there's tough, like I said, like this weekend, there's tough blocks, there's lappers, you know, coming at you a lot quicker. There's just a lot more variables in Supercross, you know, with a longer series. Um, I just think that, yeah, I mean, it, it's super tough to to do what, you know, to be dominant in Supercross, you know, and I think that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, it's, it's uh, maybe it's just coming a little bit harder to him. Hey, Ray, when, like- when you, uh, I know you've probably landed on a tough block or two in your life, but like when you're obviously going to land on a tough block, what is the strategy? You just hold wide open to hopefully shoot off of it, or is it just you know? Uh, it is shit? the shittiest feeling ever. Um, it could it could go thirty different ways. You could land on it and then just keep on going. You could snatch a foot peg and then just get slammed into the next jump. You could land on a tough block with your body and sort of just hug it, which is best case scenario. Or yeah, I mean it's it. Yeah, no, it sucks either way, pretty much. It's fucking scary. Better than hay bales or straw bales from the old days, all right? Because those yeah. just were like rock hard when you hit them. Yeah, I've never hit a hay bale. <laughs> yeah. I wish Austin Forkner had a tough block where he landed. But uh, we'll talk about that after the break when we talk about the 250 class. Back for more. X-Brand Goggles was launched in 2008, and over the past two decades, they've earned a reputation as one of the elite eyewear choices in our sport. The newest offering, the Lucid Goggle, features an XDO injection molded lens for exceptional optical clarity, as well as superior protection against the massive roost that modern day four-stroke bikes throw. At Swap Moto Live, we love the Lucid Goggle for its huge field of vision. Check them out at xbrand.com. That's eksbrand.com. If you're on the West Coast and you're looking for a one-stop shop, you need to visit the guys at STR Motorsports formerly known as Shock Therapy Racing. With over 30 years of experience, your bike will be in great hands. Whether you're looking for a custom performance suspension revalve or just a basic rebuild, they've got you covered. STR also offers motor building services. Whether you need a stock engine rebuilt or a full-blown race motor, they're the place to go. Conveniently located in Wildemar, California, they're very close to Lake Elsinore and Paris Raceway. Additionally, they maintain a full stock of oils, tires, and tubes. They can get pretty much anything you need. Check them out at shocktherapysuspension.com. Bill's Pipes has been producing championship-winning, high-performance exhaust systems for all types of off-road motorcycles since 1974. 
Whether you're a mini racer or simply a premix burning diehard, our two-stroke pipes and silencers deliver unbeatable performance gains. Our four-stroke exhaust systems provide affordable performance gains and are available for motocross, off-road, ATV, and side-by-side -side applications. Best of all, every product from Bill's Pipes is produced and assembled in the USA. Check us out at BillsPipesUSA.com. Did you know that in addition to being some of the coolest people on motocross, the crew at WUSA are the official importers of Talon, Kite, and Edge hubs, as well as the leading resource for DID and Excel rims. Through the years, we've tested plenty of aftermarket wheels, and the wheel building crew at WUSA can't be beat. WUSA is the source for all things associated with wheels, including sprockets, spoke wrenches, tire irons, and more. Mention Swap Moto Live when ordering anything from WUSA and get a nice little discount too. Check them out at WUSA.com. Hey guys, it's Ryan Villapoto. Now that I'm living the retired life and not bound to factory team sponsors, I'm able to choose my partners when it comes to building my bikes. I choose Backyard Designs to create my motorcycle graphics because they do a great job. Their kits look great, go on easy, and last long. Backyard Design has the most comprehensive and user-friendly graphic website in the sport. Use the discount code SWATMOTO at checkout for a discount at BackyardDesignsUSA.com. G'day guys, this is nine times X Games gold medalist Jared McNeil. Off the motocross bike, I spend plenty of time cross-training on my intense mountain bike. From the super fast and efficient sniper cross-country bike, to the aggressive primer and tracer trail bikes, or even the amazing taser e-bike. Every intense is designed and developed in the United States and built to the highest standards. A life on two wheels certainly includes pedals too, so give the crew at IntenseCycles.com a look. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the show. Guts Racing, the leaders in seat technology. Go to GutsRacing.com today and design your custom seat cover. We try to ship all custom seat covers within 36 business hours. We also offer free shipping to the lower 48 states. Once again, that's GutsRacing.com. Over the past 40 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros. Welcome back to the Kickstart Podcast presented by Pro Taper. Um, hey, last week, A-Ray... Oh, wait, you picked up your forks from Racetech already, right? Yeah. Your, your 500 well, forks. I, but... I had them shipped. Yeah, I wasn't driving down there. But, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I got my forks back from my 500. 500 is done. It looks so beautiful. I look at it every single day, and it's awesome. I can't wait to ride it. So uh, I went to Racetech to drop off a Bill's pipe for the MC65 that they're building for us because I guess the suspension's done. But I had to go to uh, Corona Motorsports and buy a inner tube because it had a flat from testing and they needed to put a dyno tire on it and stuff and you know they're like two blocks from corona war sports but i went and got the tire should try a moose huh 
In a moose and a 65 tire? Come on, it'd be so hard to change. They probably don't even exist, right? I have no idea. But, um, but yeah, I saw... They've got to, GNCCs. What's that? They've got to have a moose for a 65 tire GNCC, Dad. They'd be out there buying all that up. Do they, do they have 65 classes in those things? That's like one of the biggest classes. Oh, wow. Yep. It's okay. just a solid rubber tire. They don't even... Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm super stoked to get this bike back from Race Tech, And then I'm also... Dude, it's funny, man. The whole mini scene is so different. There's there's companies in the mini scene that are not in big bikes, right? Because mm-hmm. when I we did the stock MC65 test, I asked the kids, the Wampler boys, like, what, would you, what was the first thing you'd do to this bike if it was yours? And they're all, I'd get a T-Rex throttle. <laughs> I'm all, what's a T-Rex throttle? Like, the, oh, the, dude, T-Rex what's named after dope. a dinosaur, right? But so I re- I looked him up on Instagram and I reached out and I talked to a guy on the phone and he's like, dude, every sixty five title that was won at Loretta Lynn's last year had a T Rex throttle on it. What is it? It's like yeah, a, it's a billet a throttle that's smoother or something. Oh. I have a T Rex on my uh, on my CR two fifty. What? They make big bike parts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have yeah, they have big bike ones. Dude. Like the the guy is super cool. I've talked to him a few times. Yeah, he yeah. says uh good stuff. It's billet, right? So yep. it's smoother throttle pull and then his the big thing is he has proprietary throttle cables that are like Teflon lined or something, so it's a real easy pull. But uh, so he sent us a throttle, a throttle cable, and then an upper triple clamp because I guess it's better than the stock one. And something about the stock bars, they start off one and an eighth and they go to micro bar size or something. So he was telling me all this stuff, dude. I'm so glad I'm not a mini dad yeah. and that I had girls, you know, but. Uh, yeah, so I'm stoked for this uh, race tech build to come together and uh, get our guy Owen Mars on it, who's going to test it for us. But uh, yeah, should hit up Carson Brown for some tips. Yeah, right. I think Carson doesn't ride 65. So. <laughs> he rides anything. Yeah. Oh, we got the guy. Yeah, yeah. we got a guest. What's up, yeah, Ezra? Sorry, Elmo. Uh, Elmo had to stop babysitting. He wasn't good enough no more. Oh, okay. Dang. So he'll be good. I promise. He'll okay. Be Hi, Ezra. Hi, hi. hi. How are we doing, bro? Hi, Don. <laughs> hi, Aaron. Hey, I'm Alan. I haven't met hey. him yet. <laughs> oh, man. Who's his favorite rider? Who do you think his favorite rider is right now? I don't know. I is don't it, know. Is it, is it controversial or, or what? Okay, like I know this is like we're not allowed to have favorites or anything like that, but uh, I really like Chance Hymas. Like I think that Chance is like super cool kid. And I think by the time he gets to the 450 class and has everything good, I would hope that like – Homeboy likes him. That'd be cool. Okay. Because Chance has right. been tight to him. But, you know, he got to set on Phil's bike, so maybe that's already like Phil. We'll see. Does yeah. he give the finger yet? He will. He gets <laughs> the finger a lot. Yeah. Anton, this is a, this is a question for you since you're, like, bougie, like, in, the, in like, kind of like the fashion world with your Doc Martin boots. Who had the best walk-in with their kit this weekend? Was it, like... Because, I mean, I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of, like... like Not, there was a lot of hate on Romano and Pierce.
of course it was going to get hate, but like good on those boys for um, like being willing to do it. And, so, like, and good on the, good on the youth crowd for like trying to make our sport more mainstream, right? Because like you know, like everybody like usually just like walks in like they're in ball like basketball shorts and a team shirt, you know, for yeah. for so many years, you know, and then you, well you'll have that that one like like Justin Hill or something coming in with like camo pants and like and crocs, like, but Uggs. yeah, <laughs> something like that. But but yeah, like cool cool for the dudes. Like yeah, I mean they're gonna get some hate, you know, wearing Golden Goose and yeah, but who cares. But, like, but again, like, that's what they're all doing. Like, all those kids are doing it. That's what everybody's doing. There's a reason that eBay ads right now are, like, high fashion clothes. Dude, pay, be watching. Like, I know people are going to hate on it. And, like, I'm not a big Balenciaga fan. But what they're doing with Alpine Stars right now is massive. Like, yeah. this is not a joke. This is not, like, a coincidence. This is a coordinated effort by Alpine Stars to capture this. Motorsports is going to be mainstream fashion Dude, this yeah. is a chance to get on it. Like, F1's put it in the spotlight. We could be the ones to benefit from it the most because motocross clothing has been did, used the most as an influence lately. Anton, mm-hmm. did you say yeah. Balenciaga? I did. In Alpine Stars, yeah. you're going to have a collab? They've already had it. Uh, yeah. At, like, Paris Fashion Week. Oh, uh, not for Friday. moto. Not, not a moto kit. No. <clears throat> don't rule anything out. Yeah, because yeah. I know I know Anderson's been hinting hinting at some stuff. It wasn't going to be with them. It was going to be with somebody big, but it wasn't going to be with them. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Damn. All right, well, guys, I got to I got to step into this sales meeting, but uh, right. enjoy the ride, dude. Go sell some RDX two point twos, will you? Dude, I'm going to. I'm going to. Hey, anyways, two fifty class before I go. Jace Linville and Lorenzo Lacurcio both in O'Neill, and they crushed it. And Lorenzo Lacurcio is even in uh, Blur Goggles as well, so that's freaking awesome. In the main event. Blair. Good. Like 14 and 15, so good. We'll do it. Nice. All right. All right. We'll see you, Ray. Right. Bye, Eric. So, uh, so, dude, I, obviously the, the first thing to talk about is Austin Fortner's crash, right? Uh, dude, unbelievable. Like, first of all, he was super impressive because, dude, passing Danger Boy on the outside of that turn mm-hmm. in the heat race to win the heat and then doing it again in the main. Yeah. I was just like, damn, look at him go. But – so he crashes. Anton, you said it was dead body for five minutes, right? Dude, that, that 250 main event, like, pretty sick to my stomach that whole way because he wasn't the only one that had been down. Dude, Jalik was down for a minute. The same so spot, right? Or same area? A little bit further back and way different situation. Like, they, they there hasn't really been footage of it out there, but I saw it and, like, completely freak accident between two riders, whereas Austin's was just a classic mistimed to rhythm section. Mm-hmm. The thing with Jalik and Max Anstey, like that can only happen when two guys are going for the exact same inch of space in a line. Um, but on the Austin thing, like out and I caught, I had just walked around the backside of the berm, the big netted berm that he was coming into. And as I got around the corner of it, I just heard the scream from the whole side of the stadium. And I looked up at the TV screen, you know, cause you can't miss those there. And just saw this body flying on the TV screen in the bike. And I knew that's where I had just been. And then, like, as fast as he was going, as soon as his body stopped, like, skating across the pavement, they were on him. And, uh, dude, I am so glad that Austin is, for the most part, okay. Because I was pretty much sick to my stomach after that. That was the most brutal crash I've seen in a long fucking time. You know what? It reminded me of Cooper Webb's. Remember when he crashed yeah. and on the yeah. like that? But um, so I hear his contact lens fell out 
and so he's having yeah. a depth perception problem. But uh, the main concern, I guess, is he was knocked unconscious for like five minutes, but he broke his scapula in two places, and uh, you know the wings on your spine? Yeah. Broke a bunch of wings off vertebrae and had some blood in his lungs, but the main thing is the concussion. Uh, but from what I hear, no surgeries of any kind, and they expect him to be back in six to eight weeks. That's crazy. That was the, his initial impact when he, like, they showed the replay, which it took them a while to show the replay. Yeah, I yeah. think they were worried about him. Um, <clears throat> but when they showed the, the slow-mo and his body initially, like, reacting when he hit the concrete, it was so violent. Um, like you said, Anton, I was, like, didn't want to think about anything else besides, like, is he okay? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, because, okay, because Fox makes an underprotector that's badass. It's yeah. got that big D30. D30 foam on the back. Yeah. I wonder if he's one of the riders that wears that. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he does. So, thank God he had that on, right? Yeah. Like, if he was just bare bones hitting the ground, I bet it would have been a lot, lot, lot different. And that, that stuff, basically, it's soft if you have... It's soft initially, but it, the harder the impact, it really stiffens it up, up, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wear a, that Fox protector. Yeah. Mine's actually from the mountain bike side. It's like a compression tank top. Mm-hmm. So it has a little foam thing in the front, but it has that full thing in the back. Yeah. So, Don, I mean, you talking about that chest protector. I wish Chase was on today. No offense, Tally. Because Chase wears that chest protector. He wears the same one, and he knows, like, how good that thing is. And that instant reaction, I was explaining it to Megan last night of the D30 uh, material. As soon as you hit, it's hard, and it helps absorb all of that energy. Um, between, I think, that chest protector and then Austin being in that helmet, like, we are in a very, very good outcome for this because, yeah. I mean, that boy slammed the pavement harder than I think anybody ever has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would, like, hate to commercialize this or anything like that, but with Fox and Bell Helmets both being owned by the same parent company, this is an amazing opportunity for them to both show how much they together have propelled motocross safety technology in the last few years because where we're at to where we were 15 years ago, completely different world. Yeah. 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 What happened? Your meeting get canceled there? Yeah. Something came up uh, with our sales manager so he could make it. So we postponed it for another hour. So that's that, that blessing, you know, so, you know, we're able to finish this podcast. Blessing of the sky. yeah yeah that, hey that d3o stuff like it, it's no joke it, it really really works well um we we have some of that d3o stuff in um and some ogo backpacks that we do so so yeah oh hydration really packs good. right um we have one and i i believe our top of the line hydration pack as well as like our mock bags for like street um on the ogo side so i think it's like the mock five it has like the full d3o on the in the back of the backpack so it's like super it's all formed to your back and everything so it's nice did you know o'neill makes a set of mountain bike knee pads that are made out of that um it's it's a different material it's like a it's ipx i believe right oh yeah ipx ipx but same same principle though those things are awesome it's good stuff so another thing that we got to uh to bring up on how like safety is getting better uh, we've been talking for a long time about that Alpine Stars and the Dionese instant airbags that they uh, wear in road racing and then, then what's been used in Dakar. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like they're really, really, really close to having an off-road ready unit that can mm. be used uh, in a Supercross setting soon. 
Uh, if you like, I've shown it in Kickstarter a couple times, and I think that there's still some data collection that's out there. But there's been like a little box on the back of some chest protectors of some riders, and I think that that's yeah. collecting data of how much energy they're going through, because those are triggered by g-forces, and the g-forces of motocross are way different than road racing. So they're trying to hone in on what could set, uh, what what could set the technology to differentiate between a crash and just like a g out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah when, I remember uh, I wore. I wore one of those like first gen RXRs that was just like pumped full of air, and I looked like the Michelin Man, like like first gen. So it was just yeah. like Velcro strap, and then you're just like you look like humongous. And I remember I crashed my brains out in the middle of Minnesota one time, and dude, I bounced for like three days. <laughs> but like, I mean, I got up, and I was fine. So maybe that's something that's similar. I remember um, I kids the, used to wear those. Joe Shimoda wore. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. <clears throat> I remember uh, actually, actually, Juju Bermer wears it right now. Um, the the rxr uh under under it's been refined quite a bit though it's a lot more sleek i remember joe shimoda sent me a video of him floating in the creek (laughs) at loretta lens wearing his rxr airbag but um i think uh cody shock wears it as well that rxr one yeah so austin's out and uh what did you guys think of uh, Deegan there? Does it does his hand seem like an issue anymore, or is it a non-issue? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's much of an issue. No, I mean, I just think that you know, um, you know, he's still got. I mean, shit. I mean, he's only what, eight eight points back or something like that. Seven points back. So I mean, yeah, I think that that yeah, it's a little bit of a blessing for some of the guys who had a, a rough weekend that first one, you know. But yeah. uh, I mean. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a bummer. You never want to see like someone crash. Um, I just wish that, and it, maybe he wishes too after seeing everything like on the on the broadcast. Maybe just like, hey, pay your respects to Austin Fortner, and then and maybe just like you know. But I understand from his point of view too, like on the on like his podium interview, first ever Supercross win. Obviously, yeah. he's going to be pumped. Like, yes. You know, Austin crashed. He was catching him towards the end. There was, you know, a little bit of that there. Of course, they were close. But, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people didn't really like what he had to say on the on the podium. But I, you got to kind of give him a pass, I guess, because it's his first Supercross win and he's going to be stoked. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, Eric. Like, totally. Because he was being told, like, hey, do not, like, don't say anything crazy. Like, do not yes. say anything way, way too much on the podium. Like, I, dude, I was standing right there. Brian was telling him, like, hey, Austin is hurt, so keep it, you know, keep it clean. And then in the press conference and in the interviews that he did afterwards, he was very, yo, I hope Austin is okay. Not crazy over the top or anything like that, like some other people could be. But, mm-hmm. he, you know, he did pay his respects, but same thing. He's got to balance that first, oh, my God, I just accomplished a career first situation I've been putting the pressure on. It's the guy that I've been supposed to beat forever because, I mean, the Austin versus Hayden storyline was going to be the thing of the 250 East Coast region. Like, I was fucking so psyched to see this play out. And then to mm-hmm. see it end like this is is so, like, shortcoming for so many reasons, you know, because I, I even thought from the fan point of view, the hard, hard, hardcore Austin Forkner fan of five years ago is a hardcore Hayden Deegan fan now. So how are yeah. you going to balance that? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I yep. I thought I heard in the podium thing he he said I'm bummed that awesome crash I hope he's okay yeah he he started that he started it with like I'm bummed for Austin it sucks I don't want to win that way and then he went into I was the putting pressure zone. on him <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I literally almost launched water out my nose when he said, "Welcome to the danger." Oh, that was pretty corny. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that's a Kenny Loggins song from uh, Top Gun, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't know something like that. But. That's not what I was thinking about when I was watching that interview. Yeah, but yeah, I think what? you just you. Regardless of the interview and what happened after you, as Hayden as a racer. I mean, it's so impressive. You watch him in the heat race. Austin passes him and, uh, you know, wins the heat race. And then same thing in the main. And it's like he is a winner. Like he knows how to race. He knows how to win. And he, he's a competitor. And you saw it in his interview. But like that same fire is also what led him to hang on to Austin and win that race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like something completely unrelated. But like there's just the respect that of of how you have to carry the sport. Dude, there's two people I know that have pretty similar scars, and it's Brian and it's Austin with that whole zipper all the way down their stomach from when they both almost died riding motorcycles. And I think that Brian has to know, like, you have to respect Austin for putting his life through everything he's done. And, like, to what Rhino said in his Instagram update yesterday, like, that kid had been flawless. The way that he had been riding, he had refined all those mistakes away. Like, Austin had been... Austin been doing great, but uh, for Hayden too, like that's what they're gonna do. This was this was inevitable for this outcome to come this way that they were gonna meet up. That Austin was maybe gonna have a crash. That Hayden was gonna say something that would ruffle some feathers. And like, it is what it is. Look at everything else in the 250 East Coast region right now. Like, Max Yancey's leading the points. They're coming back from it. Some really good guys haven't had some races. Like, that's what this year was always gonna be. It's just playing out how it was gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, yeah. how cool is it that Max Anstey's leading the point? Uh, that's a red wild. plate. Yeah, when's the last time like a privateer team has has led the championship in in the 250 class? Like, I mean, I, obviously we've seen it in the 450 class, you know, with just you know some of the top tier privateer teams, but not. I don't think we've seen it in the 250 class in a very long time, have we? Would you call the Rockstar Suzuki team that Anderson rode for? Would, did he ever lead the points on that team? Uh, Millsaps did. Davey did, and that was around the same time. So yeah, you could. But then, in a way, too, that had been like fairly well Suzuki supported yeah. at one point in time. Your Reeves deal, like they're okay. Put it this way: there are some HRC parts on there that they've gotten in a roundabout way. But this is not like a star racing Yamaha level Honda support team. It's not like yeah. what yeah. Honda was a few years ago. Your Reeves got a great relationship with Honda Australia. Martin Davalos is super well respected up here. They put together a great program because, like, Dean's been doing good on it, and Max has been ripping around the world. Like, this is what everybody said in the offseason, that Max has been going very well, and he's carrying that momentum right now. Like, the Arlington result isn't great, great, but he's still in it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to have to put together uh, more consistent races against guys that are going to go through a lot of the things that he's gone through before. Like, Pierce has got to put together a season. Daxon Bennett's a full-blown rookie. Hayden's got a lot of points still to make up. Like it's going to get interesting and it'll come down to those two. I think other than those two, I feel like now with Austin out, there's gotta be another kid to step up and cause Deegan's kind of now the, the favorite. Oh, I think. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think Cameron now he's gonna, he's gonna focus all of his energy now on, on Cameron, um, you know, on the, on the championship. And, And I believe, Honestly, Tom Vial, with the with the uh, improvements that he's made just in one year on Supercross, I think that you know, I mean, he came out 
swinging pretty good in, in Detroit. Like he was good with qualifying times and all that. Um, I know like he's, he's been dealing with a, a couple like sore sorenesses just, you know, from crashes and stuff like that. But, but just him overall, like his speed, I think, you know, he's, he's still up there like a good title contender as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would just, I would say like Tom Bial, I mean, you can't count out Anstey out either. I mean, Anstey, like he's been racing, for a very long time, and he's a very, very smart dude. I mean, yes, he's on a privateer bike, but he's also he's also a very, very consistent and smart racer. So, so I would agree with you, Ray, on the Vial thing because he's still, um, like you said, he's been having some crashes and stuff like that. And he had a hard one in time qualifying on Saturday. For him to be on the podium, he looked pretty smoked. Like, hey, man, this day took a lot out of me after a hit like that, but that's a big result. Seth Hamaker kissed the handlebars going down the rhythm section in front of everybody and still got fourth. You know, and yeah. Seth, Seth is good for a win, good for a podium uh, as he puts together a season. Yeah, and, and for the Anstey thing, like like you said, Alex, he's been racing for a long time, but he's surrounded by people that have all been racing for a long time and know how to put a program together and go the distance. Yep. Like, how many championship fights had Martin Davalos been in? How many championship fights had Dean been in? Those are the people he's surrounding himself by. And the routine that they're following at Millsap's training facility, which, like, is all about a routine, that's how you build, like, that is the ultimate championship-building scenario up against the Star Compound, which is right down the street that's just been a championship factory for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sitting here looking at the points, too. It's crazy to crazy to think that, like, like Cody Shock is still in fourth, which is freaking awesome, you know, with that first round. And then second round, solid eight, you know, going, like, 4-8, which is cool. And then, two like, Pierce Brown... And, uh, you know, Pierce is in second, which, I mean, he hasn't lit the world on fire, but he's been, like, right outside of the podium the first couple races. And, it, shit, I mean, he's right right there in second place in the points, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and he's been prone to crashing a little bit, you know, in the past past years, you know, just front-end washing out or just something. Do that heat race so, crash. Yeah. So, hopefully, high hopefully, if he's, oh, if yeah. he's got, you know, Pierce Brown has that figured out, maybe he could be another title contender as well because we all know that he's got the speed. Yeah. yeah, and like I think that we've Pearson's consistency is probably the biggest question over the last few years because dude he yeah. has been fast like in qualifying at Detroit he was quick his heat race was good like he's shown you know like in that pass against Joey he's willing to get scrappy with it but like back to back same result finishes that's some consistency he's just got to do it three four times now to stay in it mm-hmm. yeah I think Pierce is like on the cusp of a breakout to jump up leapfrog up into being a consistent podium guy he just i think he just yeah. needs to do it once yeah yeah definitely i, I mean he's and he's got some smart people around him i mean you know i mean he's got you know he's got will he's got the whole tld crew um you know i mean he's got a great training group you know just you know with all of will's guys you know with colt nichols and you know just everyone i feel like he has all the tools he just needs to put it together and i think that yeah there's no reason why he couldn't be a a championship contender yeah it's a consistency figured out then yeah yeah and even another dark horse is hymas um he i think he had one of the fastest laps of the main event i don't know uh i think he had a tip over or something happened but if he could start getting some starts and confidence he could be another guy he's fast yeah and, you know, Chance even being there, I think, was a little bit of a surprise because he got hurt at Detroit and banged his knee up a little bit. It's the knee that he had been sidelined by last year. Like, I'll be honest, I was a little surprised he was there because I hadn't heard anything about him ahead of Arlington and then scored good points. Yeah. 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 
Okay, the race was uh, military appreciation. Um, hey, I thought that the uh, the piece they put together for with Cameron McAdoo and his sister Mackenzie was awesome. Like, like I was obviously had some insight into it because we did the uh, Fox We Race Together video with Cameron uh, previously, and it came out on Thursday. But uh, that little clip did you did you watch it yet, Anton? No, like, I haven't gotten to see much of anything. So the, there's like a clip of her. Uh, Maddie picked her up from the boat and surprised them, and Cameron and his mom were surprised. And so, like, I, I got kind of, like, choked up. It's like, that's so cool. Because, like, any of that military stuff where they yeah. show someone coming home from deployment, th that always kind of gets me. But <clears throat> how was the event as a whole? Like, a lot of people participated in the the gear and the bike graphics and stuff. I, I have to say, I didn't like the bikes that were different colors. Like, I think... Uh, Ancy's bike and Dean's bike were black, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like all confused. I'm like, well, who is that? You know, but um, a lot of the gear and stuff was good. Uh, what was, what was awesome in person, Anton? Okay, so uh, this has been like a big effort, and I was even surprised by it. Like, Feld's done the military appreciation round a few times, and I think them moving it out of San Diego, which had been so customary because there's so much military stuff between Miramar and then. Uh, you know, what's right there in downtown San Diego with the Navy base. Like, everybody seemed to think that, but uh, all of the billboards all around Dallas advertising Supercross this weekend all said military appreciation race on it. That was the tagline to get people to come, which mm. I thought that was cool and pretty interesting. Uh, I think that, like, yeah, the graphics thing, it's cool to see everybody get behind it, especially when it's a concept that they know about and have done a few times. Like, the 50th anniversary race in San Diego – Unfortunately, that could, that could have been celebrated, I think, a little bit better. But this one made up for it because every team got into it, it seemed, in one yeah, way Yeah, even another. KTM participated this time. All the way across the board, too, with Husky and Gas Gas, which they never do. Yeah. Um, and the KTMs look completely different. Even in the riders' numbers, there was, like, someone doing the salute uh, in one way or another. Like, little details here and there. Like, what you said about the firepower bikes to see them a different color was like, yeah, different. But then that stuff went really, really good with that fly racing gear that they put out that, mm -hmm. you know, was pretty desert camel that I hadn't seen. The Fox stuff was really cool because, uh, it went along with everything kind of worked with everybody's gear. The bell helmets were sick. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause you could see the little details that were on those. Eli always has a good kit because of his brother, Greg. So he had the big bomber helmet on the, uh, on the, on the back. back and then all the little details on his gear. And then we know, like, Cooper Webb's super into it, too. So he had lots of details on his Thor jersey. It was, like, digital camo on the lettering for those. And then dog tags and the graphics of the bikes. Like, yeah. everybody did a good job. The Honda bikes, the factory Hondas were cool because, and uh, so was Dylan's at Phoenix Honda, because everything was individually die cut. Like, individual stickers to save weight instead of it being just one printed sheet with everything on the fenders and the side panels. They were individually cut, like, skinny decals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pro Circuit always does goes all out for uh, military appreciation, and then I thought the Star Bikes looked really cool too. They had the, the camo. Uh, yeah the camo, and then the Recluse camo uh, clutch covers. Those were sick too. Yeah, the dog tag graphic on the airbox is cool. Yeah, that was fun. Factory Cowie, like Factory Cowie, didn't do anything for the fiftieth race, and it's Cowie never does anything. Like they do it sometimes. Fourth uh, of July at Red Bud, they always get into, but those digital camo or that desert camo on Jason's bike was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did uh did McAdoo have a uh, butt patch of any reference? I was wondering. 
he had those shirts. Uh, so I did give camera props when I saw him on Friday that like no fear holding the two big bra- or silver balls thing. I thought those were pretty funny. But Cameron did a good job, like, moving past it because uh, it seemed like anybody from, like, outside that wanted to, parlay, like, take advantage of this wanted to not do it in a good way. And Cameron held his ground and was like, no, if we're talking about this, we're talking about how I finished. We're not talking about what happened. We're talking about how I pushed through it. And that's what we do as a sport. We don't just stop because of it. So good of Cameron to kind of hold his own and know, like, I'm not going to let the world take advantage of my situation and make fun of our sport. Like we're going to own it and show how, uh, how gnarly I still am. Yeah. Yeah. So he had no butt patch. I didn't see anything, but maybe it was more stuff for his sister though. I don't, I didn't. Uh, Um, I bet if the, if the races were closer together, they may might've done something a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe have a wheelbarrow on a butt patch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. What else? So we did uh we did the factory edition shootout last week. Yeah. <sighs> that was, that a, was a lot of fun. Huh? That yeah. was a lot of fun. But we were just talking about like the difference in the bikes. Like I've ridden Honda for so long and then uh that's all I've ridden for five or six years and then hopping on the Austrian bikes, the KTM Gas Gas and Husky and um and then watching the races and then you see kind of like Jet and Chase having similar problems at the end of the races and riding the Honda at the track, I noticed I had to really like look for lines and ride the edges of the track. And it's kind of interesting, like that's what Chase and Jet have to do on the on the Honda as well. Whereas the KTM, you can kind of go right up the middle of the track and hit the rough stuff. So mm-hmm. I felt like that was uh, fun to feel firsthand. And then also you watch it in the racing as well. Yeah. Obviously their bikes are way 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 different way but, different for but sure you still it's hard to you know you can't change the characteristic of a bike completely yeah yeah but uh yeah no yeah. Don, i want to know about that gp you did <laughs> uh it was good it was good the bike was amazing uh on the on the track uh i just i finished at zero percent battery it's funny, the bike will go to zero and will still move, right? So I was kind of like off to the side because guys are racing past me. But uh, I made a pretty big mistake because right? there's two button, two map buttons and you cycle through the maps and you turn the bike on and the Stark is in neutral and you push the down button to go into map one. So I programmed all these maps strategically to save battery um, like if, if I was watching the percentage so I could go to map two would be lower horsepower, map three would be lower, map four would be even lower. So when I got the halfway point, I looked and I was a little below halfway on uh, power. So I pushed down to go to the next map and I was supposed to press up because the, the maps are kind of like a gearbox, one down, four up. And so I was pushing down, pushing down. Every time I looked in the barriers lower, I was pushing down, but... I ended up finishing on a high horsepower setting, and I ran out of power. And that was on the start? Yeah, but I would have finished fine. If, you, yeah, if you, I'd... Would, you would think that you would, like, know if it's, like, more power or not, but... Yeah. Like, what what happened there? Was it, were you, was it just, like, that low on, on battery to where it, like, didn't have any more power, but you were just still on that high power setting? Yeah, so, obviously, like, uh, the thing's 80 horsepower is at your fingertips, so I... I rode all day Saturday with it 
MAP one set at 48 horsepower and 100% regenerative engine braking. And then so I set MAP two for 35 horsepower, then 30, then 25, like just to limp it home. So at 48 horsepower, two laps on a GP track with the big hills and the fast, long straightaways, a lot of wide open throttle settings. Uh, I, ran it, I ran it down to 47 or 46% in two laps, and it ended up being four laps. And how long was each lap? 12 minutes or something. Yeah, because my overall race time was 52 minutes, I think. Does that thing tell you how fast you go down some of the straightaways? Yeah, so I'm not buying it, okay? I'm not buying it because the phone has this, the thing at the end. It'll tell you how how far you went, distance, uh, how much battery you used, how fast you went, top speed, and what your average speed was. Yeah. <clears throat> There's no way. It said my average speed was 41 miles an hour. Now, you're an off-road guy. Mm -hmm. 41 miles an hour is really good for a top level guy right i mean an sra though you're going all the way down to the truck track right and then you're coming back you're going fast for a lot of that race you're on the pavement a couple mm -hmm. times i wouldn't be surprised i mean that doesn't sound too crazy i don't know i mean dude it's crazy you watch the gopro right and you see me pull on the cement and i just ha i just mat it wide open yeah and you hear it go and every time I'm on the pavement, you just see people way ahead of me. I just go. <laughs> so it was like, how was it when you were next to a, a normal bike? It was scary. I was yelling like in cross country mountain biker. Because they can't like, hear you. On your left, on your left. And oh. Like, like I got cut off and ripped off and almost taken out like almost every person I passed because they didn't know I was there. That's crazy. So I was, I started yelling on your left, on your left. Yeah. And uh, I want one of those Starks so bad. I think hey, I'm going to so, put a mountain bike bell on the <laughs> says ding, 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 ding. So, Don, you did that as part of a tire intro, right? Yeah, Dunlop had the uh, AT82 tires. Did you race on ATs? Or, you know, you were, you were in the Dunlop team, right? You're yeah, like, Dunlops, yeah. Dunlop. Dude, the AT82 is badass. The front tire is really good. I yeah. think I think Aaron Plessinger used it at Supercross. <laughs> This is the tire talk that we've been talking about, even back to like some of the Eli early races. Like, yeah, this is similar to something that was out there. This is some old race technology that's been yeah. retrofit down to some off-road stuff. Uh, yeah, so I was super interested to hear you do this. But then the fact that you're testing this tire on an electric bike in way different conditions, like what you were riding over, you hadn't ridden that bike on yet. No. And then the power delivery of all of that is way, way different to the tire. Like, I know people are going to think that that's crazy, but I went to Italy like seven, eight years ago to visit Pirelli mm -hmm. and got a full tour, like in the basement in Milan of the testing facility. And they told me then with the rise in electric cars, the way that the power delivery is completely changes the way the tire reacts. Mm -hmm. So I bet you have a lot of different feeling like, Probably talk to Jay Clark or some Dunlop guys and tell them how that tire was in a different way. Because you know what's weird is my tire was worn down more than some of the other guys. And I attribute it just to pavement, you know. But um, So the AT82 rear is sick. It's it's a directional tire, but you can use it in either direction. Like the main knobs in the middle are flat on one side, and on the other side it's like reverse bow tie. Mm -hmm. So we ran it the bow tie way for traction for soft conditions. But uh, I rode that tire first at Fox Race on Saturday, and it it didn't feel like a MX-14, but it was way better at digging through the loose stuff than like the standard knob tire. And you rode that on a norm, like a gas bike, 
No, or, I wrote on the Stark. Oh, so both, both times days, on the Stark. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, but I guess you could flip it around to the straight knob side for hardback. I wonder. Um, maybe you're more worn down. I don't know if you get more tire, like more spin on the electric bike. Maybe you're spinning the wheel more. Maybe I don't, dude. I dug a hold of China off the start. Yeah. I like. I was like, okay, I'm gonna hole shot by a mile. <laughs> I just twisted the throttle and it went. Yeah. you're probably spinning yeah. a lot more everywhere maybe even getting on the concrete and everything you can yeah. con- is there a clutch on there's no clutch huh? No clutch. yeah so you can't control that yeah. you know that traction but i don't either way it was fun the bike was amazing and the rough stuff like your former boss mark samuels told me to go way out on the clickers on everything yeah dude it felt like an xr 600 back in the rough stuff it was amazing dude like that's best i've ever felt back there and sra you can almost go all the way out on your on your rebound uh and compression yeah because it's so fast yeah and just little bumps everywhere nothing too crazy yeah it was super super fun oh on that note uh huge condolences and and thoughts to the uh fout family um fout i forgot the son's name but he's a motocross action test rider um and his dad randall was in my race and uh i think they canceled because i was in race two they canceled race three and on because uh there was talk like oh there's a missing rider he didn't come back and uh they found him uh he was deceased off one of the ridges i think and oh the scuttlebutt is that maybe he had a heart attack while he was riding because he was cold by the time they found him but yeah sympathies out to that whole fout family um my take on it though is, dude, the dad, he went out doing something he loved to do, right? Yeah. Like if you're gonna yeah. die of a heart attack or something, I want to do it on two wheels. I don't want to be cranking out a turd and <laughs> have a heart attack, you know. You know, um, I could see you pushing point, too hard though. To the uh, like last week, uh, I woke up like early one morning, and all the people that are down in Australia, I just saw a bunch of broken hearts on Instagram, and it was all freestyle guys, and like instantly I was like, oh no super fearing the worst and like hey Ray, your guy kenny's down there and i was really afraid that something happened on that tour and then as the day broke out and then the news of jay archer passing away like it's terrible yeah. uh my aunt called me yesterday because like news of that has now kind of hit the mainstream uh market a little bit and she was like dude why would people do that and it's to the same thing i explained to her like he's one of three dudes that can do this trick it was him josh Sheehan, and harry bink and like that guy had given his whole life to doing that and had crashed so many times and like had done it. And like, that's why they got to do it. Even to see Austin do what he did on Saturday night, you know that Austin's probably going to want to come back after all the stuff that they did before. Like, fuck man, that's why we ride. That's why you can do this. Like I couldn't even imagine doing anything else, not wanting to try to like push at that yep. level, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No big, big sad bummer. Um, you know, I mean, you know, he, he wrote, you know, he wore the O'Neill gear and, and and stuff uh in the past there for like a small stint and you know a lot of the guys were sort of asking me you know what had happened and yeah super super bummer deal um you know he went out doing what he loved you know which is uh you know freaking that triple backflip i mean he can that that thing it consumed his life you know and that's what he loved to do and and yeah so super bummer but uh but yeah and i think he had just gotten uh engaged i believe Mm -hmm. as well so that's yeah super sad deal like, you know, we've talked about how freestyle has kind of like yeah. stagnated off. And, and dude, honestly, 
when we had the Stasic talk last weekend uh, about like how are kids getting better and what is this doing? Coincidentally, my little brother and I had talked about like, man, if you see what guys are doing on bicycles now compared to what was going on and like on that whole nitro tour from the freestyle motocross tricks to the scooter stuff, like they're pushing such a gnarly level right now. And like triple backflip is what people want to do. Like the goal for that thing was to be able to do it in multiple locations. I was there when Sheehan did the first one at Travis's house years ago fucking scariest day of my life because i was like dude if this guy has a mistake it's over like i do not want to be here if something bad happens because that's the level of it mm-hmm, and like yeah. you see the setup that they have to build for that trick and the pop of the jump and the big airbag like what guys are willing to do right now to just push the limit you have to respect it like it is crazy they've taken it so far and then to take it to that next step like it, the risk factor is higher than it's ever been mm-hmm. yep hey on the nitro uh theme uh nitro cross returns to las vegas this weekend at uh planet hollywood and uh we're we have we have a family pack of four general admission tickets to give away to nitro cross to watch uh travis press travis pastrana race i'm not sure if deegan's gonna race this time but uh i talked to travis this weekend and his normal like spotter guy's out so jeff ward is gonna work for him this weekend, oh, wow. so that's cool. pretty cool that yeah. Wardy's teaming up with Pastrana. Um, so, if you want to win this family four pack of tickets, uh, there's an existing uh, Nitrocross post on our Instagram, Swap Moto Live. Um, we're gonna put another one up today, but just comment on there like why you should win or why you want to go, and uh, we're gonna make a decision here in a couple of days. So, uh, on that note, we're going to sign off because I do have a call with Pastrana scheduled here pretty soon and uh Avery you have a sales meeting and yep. Talon you have a long drive back to Palm Springs or Joshua Tree or wherever you're from but uh <laughs> guys thanks for checking out the Kickstart podcast presented by Pro Taper and uh we'll talk to you next week after Daytona that's gonna be a great one yeah 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 I can't wait good. to hear I can't wait to hear what Chase says about that triumph oh yeah they're there now he oh, says God. it looks sick as shit but Dude, they're sick looking in person mm-hmm. yeah All right, guys, thanks for checking it out. We'll talk to you next week. Since 1991, ProTaper has led the way in premium control components and prides themselves on providing an exciting, innovative, and complete product line to fulfill the needs of professional racers and weekend riders alike. Through revolutionary ideas like the oversized 1 and 1 8 inch handlebar and the micro handlebar kit, the only control system purpose-built for youth riders, ProTaper continues to push the limits and transform how we experience riding our motorcycles. Visit ProTaper.com for more.